0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the HRER podcast where we delve into the world of HR emergencies and scandals don't forget to follow and subscribe to hr ER on your favorite podcast platform get
1: ready for scandalous stories lessons learned and a generous dose of advice for hr professionals for navigating the hr landscape
0: our goal here is not just to entertain but also to help you learn from the topics we touch on in order to save your business from its own
1: emergency so it could be that actually beyond everything we've already got to contend with we could end up with a police investigation as well
0: or comes back to our favorite word culture culture, culture doesn't we like it bit a culture
1: if you make an assumption or a stereotype that's, that's a bit derogatory, you could be in line for a discrimination claim, mm-hmm. um, but also you're proceeding in a very uninformed way. So when we're back to that reasonableness, if we're just going off something that we've Googled and we've got it wrong, is a tribunal judge going to think we've been reasonable?
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HRER podcast, where we discuss Scandalous stories, salacious rumours, and all the all the good juicy stuff you come here for. Um, my name's Ollie Robinson. I'm one of your co-host, one of your hosts today.
1: My name's Alyssa Thursfield. I am one of your hosts today. I am an employment solicitor and the founder of Heroes and Superheroes. With Ollie, my co-host today, we are going to be looking at a real client email as we get to the bottom of violence in the workplace and mental health issues.
0: Indeed, a very controversial topic. Um, since. I can certainly recall. Um, The email today, um, it's a little bit of a longer one, so I'll do my best to articulate it. Uh, Morning, Alyssa. Never a quiet day, there's always something. So this time we've had an issue with James. We've spoken about him before when he shouted at his co-worker Jane, you may recall. On Saturday, James was allocated to shelf stack in the store. He was asked for help by a customer who needed something from a high shelf. The report is that James refused, and so the customer went to James's manager. James had ignored the line manager and the customer and kept stacking shelves. He wouldn't respond to any communication and kept throwing dirty looks at them. The manager moved closer to James, he said he didn't touch him, to try and meet his eye and in response James pushed him into a stack of merchandise and then punched him in the face. He turned on the customer and told them to F off and then left the shop floor. As you know, James has ADHD, he claims he's not responsible for his reaction because of his ADHD and that if his work conditions aren't perfect he can't control himself. He says he shouldn't have to answer to anyone and should just be left to get on with his job. He says the customer could have reached the produce if they had tried and that his line manager had no business interfering. I just don't know what to do, Alyssa. James's position is customer-facing and surely we can't be in a position where we can't line manage him. I also have the line manager to contend with who has been assaulted and a very shocked and upset customer. So, initial thoughts.
1: A lot going on here. Mm, and... You know, there's a lot of issues we need to get to the bottom of here. So loads of great detail in the email. um, And initially, you think, you know, plenty of information to go off. My first um, indication here is, again, my almost motto we take a step back. This feels like something where you think I need to dive into this and get it sorted. We've had violence in the workplace. We've had a customer who's been verbally abused. You know, I need to kind of take some action to to get to grips with this. And um, no, we take a step back, we take a breath, Take advice if, if you've got advice available um, and don't necessarily feel that we need to take that knee-jerk reaction of, of getting straight in front of, was it James? Um, it was James, yeah, yeah, James. To, to you know, get, get James sort of straight into a disciplinary, remembering always that we've got that ability to suspend. So with so much going on here and so many issues, we take that step back.
0: There's a lot of factors there, isn't there? You've got, uh, you've got the customer, for mm-hmm. one. This is probably the, I think the first one we've had where a customer has been involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got James, who's obviously the the, the chap with the uh, the ADHD and the mental health, and uh, the line manager. Mm-hmm. So a, a, a triad of, of exactly. issues we've got there.
1: So the line manager's been physically assaulted. So let's make sure he's okay. First things um, first. First things first. You know, we'll get him up off the floor, yeah. and like clean him up a little Dusting bit. Um, you know, he might need to go to hospital. But also, this is something that's quite shocking. He's been he's been physically assaulted. He's been punched in the face at work. At work. So mm. somewhere where, you know, you should you should feel safe. So, um, we need to make sure he's okay. We need to give him a bit of face time, some reassurance. He may well be talking to the police about what's gone on. Um, it's a criminal offence. To punch somebody in the Mm. face. Um, So it could be that actually beyond everything we've already got to contend with, we could end up with a police investigation as well. Now, in this situation, say it's a real situation, the police didn't actually get involved. The line manager was highly reasonable about the conduct of the employee and was very much kind of, look, I want to try and resolve this at work. But... Employees should always be aware. Just because something's happened at work, it's not necessarily going to stay contained there. And that customer, you don't know if they've been filming it, they don't know if they've put it on social media. There's a lot of moving parts here. That there's news spread,
0: do. yeah, there's news spread. Exactly,
1: that we need to be aware of.
0: When, in an instance where, like, say the police got involved, mm-hmm. how do you then deal with that? Do you leave the police to it? Or are you still involved in the the, the line manager situation? That's
1: an excellent question, and it's one that stumps most employers. Mm. You think, well, I can't do anything that's going to interfere with the police, and what business do I have investigating when I've got police officers investigating? Mm -hmm. The police investigation would be entirely separate. So as an employer, you have got the right to conduct your own internal investigation and come to an outcome. So if you decided that an employee was guilty of something and you decided to dismiss and you find him guilty, but actually the police don't have enough evidence to pursue that case and they drop it, it doesn't mean that you're wrong in what you've done. As long as you have collected evidence reasonably, we've investigated, and we've come to an outcome that is reasonable based on the evidence that we have. Reasonable again. We are fine. And as you may recall from one of our earlier episodes where we talked about that standard of proof, the police have got a higher barrier to get to. They've got to prove beyond all reasonable doubt and their their legal tests are slightly different. For us, it's on balance. Do we believe this happened or not? So even if the police come to a different outcome, we don't need to kind of lose our nerve. We have absolutely got the right to do an investigation and on our own timescale. Now there could be situations where Actually, it's worth waiting for the police because they may well be able to uncover things. They may want to interview you. And for some very serious offences, they may not want you to tip the employee off in an investigation. So you can always touch base with the police, see what they're doing, let them know your intentions and you can crack on.
0: So you'd be like chatting to the the, the assigned officer yeah. sort of regularly on, on updates. Absolutely. Nice. Cooperation. Exactly. We like that. We'll start from, uh, as always, we'll start from like the employer standpoint and mm-hmm. what questions you would ask as an employer. Um, so first of all, the, the probably the most controversial um, topic here, we've got mental health. So where do we draw the line between understanding mental health and behaviour?
1: So really good question, because um, James is saying he essentially has no control over his aggression because of his ADHD condition. Now, I'm not a doctor. The employer certainly in this situation isn't a doctor. And are we taking the employee's word for it that this is essentially a symptom of his of his ADHD? And it's really dangerous as an employer to make assumptions or stereotypes because of someone's condition. Um, one, if you if you make an assumption or a stereotype that's, that's a bit derogatory, you could be in line for a discrimination claim. Mm-hmm. Um, but also you're proceeding in a very uninformed way. So when we're back to that reasonableness, if we're just going off something that we've Googled and we've got it wrong, is a tribunal judge going to think we've been reasonable? Probably not. Not at all. So medical investigation would be the way to go if an employee cites a condition that we don't have an understanding of. And actually, even if we think we understand it, it might affect that employee differently. So we could contact the doctor, we can ask for a doctor's report or the employee's medical history, or we could refer to occupational health and ask for an assessment. So if they come back and say, yes, this employee has ADHD, but actually it doesn't affect them in terms of anger, it affects them in this variety of other very challenging ways we're going to have some empathy for the fact that the employee struggles with this condition but there's no medical basis for saying it's causing anger issues that's going to change how we deal with this compared to a doctor's report that comes back and says yes, it really is causing anger problems. It's something the employee's working on. Here are some reasonable adjustments that we might need to consider making to the workplace. So
0: you're looking at, like, relevancy, aren't you? I mean, I've I've got a little bit here, actually. I used to Mm -hmm. work in a social and emotional needs education. Mm -hmm. So I've dealt with, like, albeit, like, children with ADHD. Mm -hmm. And uh, you get different diagnoses. So, say, for example, um, we're in Leeds now. Um, Someone may go to a doctor in Leeds. They'll give them a completely different diagnosis and Mm -hmm. symptoms to someone in London. So I'd imagine if they, if they had an existing diagnosis, that would probably be brought to your attention.
1: Sometimes, so an employee isn't obligated to disclose the fact that okay. they have a medical condition. Okay. So when they are recruited and um, you may well give them a questionnaire to fill in with their personal details and you might ask about their medical history, unless it's absolutely relevant for their job. And by relevant, I don't mean, oh, we need to know about it, you know, just because we're a bit nosy and we want to know what what's going on with everybody. Mm-hmm. The employee doesn't have to answer those questions. The difference would be if you've got someone who's, say, doing a very physical job, you might want to know if they've got any back issues or any arthritis or something that work could aggravate. So where there is a real relevance from a health and safety perspective it's potentially acceptable to ask those questions but we never use it for screening people out of jobs in a day-to-day so in an environment like this we would never have expected james to have to disclose that when he was recruited If James wished to disclose that, to say, well, look, I have this condition and to make the workplace more comfortable for me and to make me more productive, here are some reasonable adjustments that I need, then that's a conversation you can have at that point. But there is no obligation for the employee to tell you. And it may sometimes feel and employers say this to me. Oh, they're just you know it's a card that they've kept until there's a disciplinary we should never be accusing an employee of that one it absolutely demeans what it is that they are going through and they may just not have felt that it was relevant to tell you about what they're going through mm-hmm. and if it's something that is severely going to impact a disciplinary of course they're going to want to disclose it to you at that point
0: am i right in thinking uh, you mentioned there, like medical condition is a protected characteristic in the workplace
1: Look at this, you've been listening in the office, well done. Yes, so if we have a condition that is protected by the Equality Act, it is classed as a disability. Now, the definition of disability is whether it's a physical or mental condition. So just because it's not immediately apparent that someone is struggling with something, they could well still be caught by that disability definition. Now, I'm going to break the definition down into some sections. So physical or mental condition that is likely to last or has lasted around 12 months and actually the tribunals are very kind of fluid with that so if someone's been suffering with something for six months and they think it's likely to last 12 it's still going to be caught it also then has to have a detrimental effect on their ability to conduct day-to-day activities and then newsflash we've had an update in 2024 which also now we have to take into account whether they can do their day-to-day roles and duties at work as well so if you have someone who on the face of it is absolutely together they seem to know what they're doing they arrive at work on time they get Getting their work done going home and you never hear a complaint from them that could be someone who can barely get out of bed is medicated to come to work gets through the day by the skin of their teeth and then goes home and collapses into bed you may not know what that person is actually struggling with because there may not be someone who's going to complain about it or even talk about it so we never make assumptions If someone then discloses that they are suffering with something, then we have a think about that test. But my advice generally is if someone has a medical condition, even if we think it isn't a disability treat it as it is what have we got to lose at least then we're not going to be caught out at a later stage by disability discrimination because we're treating them fairly we're making adjustments to the workplace we're making the workplace a safe and inclusive place we don't really want to be saying to staff do we well you don't quite meet the definition so i'm not not prepared to help you at work Mm. No, if it's within our reasonable capability and we think well it's going to make this employee more productive and the workplace healthier for them let's do it
0: i comes back to our favourite word, culture. Culture. Culture, doesn't it? We like a bit of culture. Um, This is a good one, I think. Do you think the fear of reporting... Well, do you think? I imagine you know. um, The the fear of reporting inappropriate behaviour of people with mental health issues in the workplace is a common issue. So people more, like, concerned about reporting those with, say, ADHD...
1: It is something that we're seeing more and more um, because people are worried. One themselves are being accused of of discrimination, um, and also not knowing, you know, how to handle that. Can you complain about somebody who is suffering with either physical or mental challenges? Now. Really, the burden should be on the employer, not the employee. So as an employer, you want to know if there's things going on in your business that are either affecting somebody's enjoyment or comfort in the workplace or is making somebody else feel that, you know, there's something not quite right. So again, a culture of openness is what we want. We want to be having those reports coming in. As an employer, we can expect a standard of behaviour from employees. Now, if someone were to say, well, because of my mental condition, I can't help this behaviour, so in this situation where we've got James saying that it causes aggression and that he can't be held responsible for his behaviour, we then need to think, well, if we're going to deal with this person, what's the legal risk? We've got a number of different types of discrimination. Direct discrimination is the one that we're really frightened of because we can't defend it. If an employment tribunal finds direct discrimination, we're done and the likelihood is the compensation is going to be significant. Mm. So this is where you pick on someone because they are disabled. So it's direct. Now, that wouldn't really apply to James. We're not disciplining him because he's got a disability. We're disciplining him because he's punched someone in the face. <laughs> so we need to think about then the other types of Sorry. discrimination. <laughs> no, well, it, we are. It's, it's, and it's as black and white essentially as that. Um, indirect discrimination has some other layers to it. So this is where we have a policy criterion or a practice that is applied neutrally across the workforce. So we may have a anti-violence policy at work that we apply to everybody. We expect that nobody is violent towards their colleagues. So we're not discriminating. We're saying everybody has to comply. Now, James may say, well, because of my disability, This is going to put me to a detriment because I'm going to be punching people all the time. So I'm more likely to be disciplined because this policy is applied neutrally. I'm going to struggle to meet that policy. So potentially it could be indirectly discriminatory. I mean, this is quite an extreme example, but potentially we're indirectly discriminatory. So but we're not going to necessarily go down on that as long as we can justify what we've done. Now we're getting really really technical here. So if we can show something is a proportionate means of achieving a legitimate aim, we can defend that claim. Okay. So the proportionate means might be that we are disciplining somebody for having physically assaulted someone. Our legitimate aim is a workplace where people can come in and be safe. I would say that's a legitimate that aim. That sounds good as well. Sounds good, it? doesn't yeah. it? So in that situation, we're likely to be able to defend that indirect discrimination claim. So, yes, there is a legal risk with it, but my message is we can still expect a standard of behaviour. Now, it doesn't necessarily get us off the hook. We may need to think, well, are there reasonable adjustments that we can make here?
0: So, with that in mind, what kind of reasonable adjustments are we going to make? I mean, James here has said um, he should not have to answer twenty one and he should be left to get on with his job sort of I meant well from here regardless of how he behaves. So
1: so reasonable adjustments are how we level the playing field. So where we've talked about that neutral policy that he says that he's going to struggle to deal with, what can we do to level that playing field for him? There might be situations where there's no reasonable adjustments that we can make, or we could have situations where you have an employee who is asking for the earth. So it's something that that we Essentially cannot do it's not within our financial power or actually our operational power. They have to be reasonable So in this situation he seems to be suggesting he doesn't want to be line managed doesn't want to be told what to do just wants to be left alone. Left alone doesn't have to talk to anybody But the clients also said he's in a customer facing role Could we put him in a situation where you know, he wears a lanyard that says don't talk to me But actually we are affecting his dignity if we do that First of all we get him into a meeting ideally before he's punched somebody if we're aware of this and we want to talk about what is it that's going to make your role easier for you and that's going to mean that we're not seeing symptomatic behavior from you we then see what practical steps that we can put in place in consultation with him, so the duty is on the employer. It's not for the employee to come up with them, but by consulting with him and involving him in that decision, if it's something that you don't have a lot of knowledge about, you're less likely to necessarily offend him. By, for example, you know, suggesting that he wears a sign that says "Don't talk mm-hmm. to me."
0: So, coming at this from um, from James's situation, what what rights does does he have in this situation where he's always punch someone?
1: So ultimately, he has still potentially committed gross misconduct. He's punched someone in the face. Yeah. Now, he can expect to be dealt with fairly through procedure and having his medical condition taken into account. So even though we're expecting a standard of behaviour, we still don't want to rule it out. We want to understand where this has come from. And it could be an investigation that actually, and this is a real example, that you find out that the line manager's been sleeping with his wife. Oh! So... Until you get to the bottom of these things, you don't know what's been going on. It's still not acceptable to spill over into work. No. But actually, does that change how we view that assault? The police would probably say no, an assault's an assault. But we may well be looking at perhaps a little bit more empathy for the way that we treat James in that situation. So, as always, let's get to the bottom of it before we make sort of knee-jerk reactions. Um, so we can expect to be dealt with fairly through a process and that we are going to get to the bottom of that medical condition to understand the impact that it has on his behaviour. And then if it is gross misconduct, then that the sanction that's implemented is going to be fair and that he be given the right to appeal.
0: I, uh, I said the term scandalous quite loosely earlier, but it might have to be used a little tighter. Well, scandal,
1: um, scandal all over HR yeah, and employment. Yeah, there is to be
0: fair, is. isn't there? Uh, second one from the role of an employee. Uh, work is causing me the stress, mm-hmm. um, which potentially could add, add to, the, to his condition. Um, how do I voice this to my employer?
1: So this is something that's been rife since we've been coming out of COVID. And it's something that's being referred to as the second pandemic, where people are now struggling with stress in the workplace. So during COVID, we had a lot more of people finding their work-life balance where perhaps they didn't have it before. They found new ways of working that meant that they could finish on time or adjust their working hours. They were working out of their homes, seeing more of their spouses, partners, kids, their dogs. And... All of a sudden then, we've now seen this move where people are being asked to go back into the office when sometimes they don't want to. And actually, the thought of work and doing work on terms that they're not necessarily comfortable with anymore is sometimes then causing work-related stress. So if somebody complains about work-related stress, it's important to understand why. So ask someone to articulate what it is that they are finding stressful. If it's a case of I just don't really want to come to work anymore. Well, that's very different to someone Mm -hmm. saying, well, I'm finding I'm doing 14-hour days. Nothing seems to be good enough. My line manager's always shouting at me. I go home and I've no time to spend with my kids. I'm not really sleeping and I'm worried that we're going to lose a massive client because I'm dropping the ball. Details. Two different things.
0: Big details Exactly. Devils in the details.
1: Exactly. So understanding where that stress is coming from. If it's something we've got some control over, we can probably move some goalposts around. So if the line manager's being a bit overbearing, we can have a conversation with them. You may not have realised as their workload is as massive as it is and what we don't want is employees who reach breaking point and then we go oh there's a problem we want to know in an environment of psychological safety where people are perhaps being pushed to their limits and they're not comfortable so that we can address that, adjust things, perhaps redistribute a bit of work, give someone a bit of time. Could be you offer them some extra holiday, a bit of a career break. If it's someone who's really valuable, we want to be supporting them and making sure that we can keep the workplace sustainable for them.
0: Be reasonable as an employer.
1: Be reasonable. Ah, I love that word. Uh,
0: what strategies can employers implement to better support employees with mental health challenges? You mentioned like holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Um, general culture things, but apart from that, is there anything outside of...?
1: Mm -hmm. So employers sometimes think that they can buy their way out of, um, you know, mental Mm -hmm. health support, that they put yoga on on a Wednesday or, you know, get an app that people can use or give people extra holidays, but it doesn't solve the root cause. And what I would say here is that employers really need to get to the bottom of what is going on in their workplace. So your favorite word, culture. culture. What is the real culture of a business like? And as a business owner, you're going to think your workplace is amazing. You're going to think it's the best place in the, the world dog's to bees, work. Isn't it? Exactly. You know, it's your baby. You've created this. Who wouldn't want to work with you? But actually you find out from employees, it's just all right. Or actually, you know, there's a bit of a bullying issue going on. Or... So perhaps there might be things going on that you're not aware of that are flying under the radar that because you are the business leader, people don't feel comfortable telling you about. So how do we get to the bottom of it all? Well, you might not be the best person to do it. The boss walks in and asks how you are at work. Instantly, you want to go, it's amazing, boss. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Equally, HR, when HR walk into a room, often there's a shudder. What have I done now? We're going to get fired. Everyone be quiet. HR's here. Get ChatGPT off. Exactly. Yeah. Stop playing snooker. (laughs) Uh, But uh, if you have a think about who is best to go and have a safe conversation with employees to really get their feedback, it could be a popular manager. It could be someone who actually is one of the most junior people in your business. Someone that people will open up to so you can get some real feedback and understand what's going on. So it might be actually that. Yeah, you know, you pay for yoga on a Wednesday, but nobody really turns up or actually people do because they feel obligated to do so. Or when you're providing free fruit or pizza on a Friday, great, but nobody wants to be in the office on a Friday. That's when they'd they'd rather have a day working from home. So understand what really makes them tick. What do they really want? And what is it that could make it a better environment? Is it that we are expecting people to work nine to five, but the reality is the work could be done at any time Are there really, really core hours when things are really busy and we feel a bit short staffed? So what is it that we can be creative about so so that people are still getting the work done, but it's being done productively and at a pace and potentially time and location that works for the employees? This doesn't mean we have to send everybody to work from home. If your business is very much um, of a type where people have to be in the office for you to be operational and you have core hours when that is when the work is done, then that's fine. But there are always going to be things that you can do to make your workplace a healthier and happier place for your employees. And Most of them don't cost any money. A lot of it comes down to, do people feel that they can speak up? Are they comfortable at work? Are they listened to? Do they add value? Have they got development? Rather than just kind of floating, turning up, and then going home at the end of the day. Yeah, the yoga, the free fruit, and whatever other initiative you might pay for might be the, you know, the icing on the cake.
0: It's nice to have, isn't it? So nice to have. Nice to things. have, yeah. but you're
1: not going to solve your culture problems by putting in a ping pong table and bringing in a dance instructor on a Thursday mm-hmm. afternoon. It's it's just not going to do it.
0: I do quite like ping pong.
1: Exactly, <laughs> I do like <laughs> ping pong. Um, It needs to go deeper. You need to understand what your workforce wants. And you know what? If they all vote for a ping-pong table, great. But it's been their decision. You've involved them in it. You Mm -hmm. haven't imposed what you think is going to make the workplace better when you perhaps don't really understand what's going on.
0: Communications key, isn't it? Communication. Not just in work, but in all aspects of life. Um, Yeah, lovely. I mean, that's all the questions I've got. We've we've covered quite a lot. So a summary of lessons learned and sort of key themes um, regarding this sort of incident.
1: So back to the James situation where we've got someone who has punched a colleague and sworn at a customer. Remember we're not diving straight in. We take a breath, think about the situation as a whole there may well be things going on that are a bigger threat to your business such as police involvement, PR fallout on social media. So get a whole view of what's going on and don't forget about the poor line manager who could be lying on the floor with a broken nose. So poor make lad. sure he's alright as lass. well. Make sure that we're following processes, that where we've got a medical angle to something, that we're doing medical investigation that we're considering discrimination and making sure that we are making reasonable adjustments and you know this is a really complex area take some advice on it when we think about compensation for unfair dismissal those awards are capped at a year's losses and the basic award which is worked out like a redundancy payment okay discrimination there is no limit they are limitless claims so you could be talking so a lot of money. hundreds of thousands, sometimes into the millions Jeez. for discrimination when Seven things figures. go really, Ooh. really wrong. Um, particularly if you're a final salary pension employer. Let's not discriminate if we're one of those. No. Those are the big claims when people lose those pensions. So the real core message is there. You do not necessarily want to think, well, this is my first kind of discrimination allegation. I'll, I'll give it a go. It's not one to give it a go with. You mm. really, really, you know, I don't like the big sell. Get someone who knows what they're on about. Get someone who knows what they're doing when you come to discrimination (laughs) is is the core message. And particularly where we've got medical issues being woven in as well. You want to be talking to the experts about this sort of thing. But deal with it calmly. Take your time. Don't rush through the processes. Give yourself time and headspace to think. And then also, where you've got a situation like this where something really has come to a head, what's been brewing behind it? Is this Mm. an individual who's been bullied? Are there things going on that have caused this stressful workplace? Let's get to grips with that that as well. Build that picture. Exactly.
0: Lovely. Um, Well, thank you again. That's uh, that's about all we've got time for today. Um, I've been Ollie Robinson, one of your co-hosts.
1: I'm Alyssa Thursfield, co-host. And thank you so much for listening or watching or however you are joining us today. And don't forget to tune in for our next session, which will drop in the next couple of weeks
0: like comment subscribe and take care until next time we're your host signing off from HRER. take care of your hr and may your workplace be disaster free before we go a big thank you to you for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe if you have your own er stories or suggestions for future episodes reach out to us at heroes or on social media or even hr at heroes.co.uk as we navigate the maze of workplace blunders remember that no organization is perfect but by sharing these stories we can all work towards creating healthier, happier and more productive workplaces.